Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, June 10th, and it is time for a freaky free-for-all Friday with a little trucking technology and efficiency thrown in. I'll be joined by, I believe, both John and Joel today. Looks like Joel's already in here. Um, John should be here any minute, I think. Um, I've got a couple things I want to talk about, just weird stuff, because honestly, I got to tell you right now, I am just sick and tired of the news and current events. All the news is bad. I don't want to really talk about it much. Unemployment is up. Not that we're too worried about unemployment right now, but it will become a concern. Inflation hit a new record high in May. That's a problem. Uh, Higher than expected. The number just came out this morning. Uh, The stock market is reacting badly. It's just... uh, it's just a lot of bad news. So I just want to uh, get a little weird today, have a little fun with it. Uh, You know, when you read the news today, it's just human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't throw in many movie lines, but uh, that one just seemed to fit today. I don't throw in many movie lines because I don't know many. That one I remember for some weird reason from the 80s. I don't watch a lot of movies, but uh, all right, let's, um, oh, looks like John is coming in right now, so we'll go ahead and bring in Joel. Joel, welcome back. Good morning. How are you? Good. I wasn't sure if I should refer to you as Joel or the Grape Ape. <laughs> yeah, we got we got the Purple Beast built and on the ground, and it's over at the Mod Center, and uh uh, hopefully we'll have it on the road here before too long. So looking forward to that. I absolutely love that color. You'll be easy to spot. Well, that was the whole idea. And, uh, I don't know. We went through a bunch of color chips and <laughs> that one just kind of jumped out at me. And I said, we'll try that. And it, uh, it turned out a lot better than what I expected. That, that, color really gets a lot of attention so pretty cool yeah i think it's beautiful isn't that exciting when you get a new truck like this yeah you know i i do a lot of fleet stuff so it's always boring white and just basic interiors and there's there's no goodies or eye candy on it so being able to do this one is a whole lot of fun for me it's been years since i've i've done kind of an owner operator type build so we're talking about miles per gallon and smiles per gallon here, I guess. And uh, I think this truck, this, this truck's going to do both in a big way. All right. Excellent. Well, let's, uh, let's bring John in to join the conversation. John, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. Great to be here. Hey, well, glad um, to be back. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm seriously considering taking you up on that job offer. i'd love to have you it'd be fun uh you know i i don't know you know what you know so someone you know be perfect i thought for an owner operator who's got some freedom you know that's maybe working the spot market or has has you know freedom to get away from some things you know to control their loads to go away on a few weekends and actually make some decent catch so it's uh it's a pretty cool deal yeah it looks like a Um, lot of fun i I need you and I would get to hang out. That would be I need, great. Oh, 
Yeah, and the work you do in between is not hard, and you're getting paid the same on those days, too. So it's like it really, you know, from the time you leave your house, you're, you're being paid that daily rate to the time you get back. Um, you know, whether you're riding an airplane to the shop to pick up the truck or driving the truck or at the track, uh, you know, helping out with tires and fuel and, and, uh, you know, and, and you get fed, you know, you don't have to get your wallet out all weekend. Like you won't even have to. So it, it'd be fun. Yeah. It'd yeah. Like well, I, I'd love to, obviously it's not going to happen. It would be a lot of fun though. I, I think the work <laughs> that you, you have to do would be fun. You know, I doesn't even sound like work to me. Sounds like a, you know, fun weekend. Oh, it, abs- it, it absolutely is. Yeah. So the, uh, the trucky is, is, is they're called motorsport. I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but it's, it's, it's a term of endearment actually. Uh, you know, normally on the weekends, the way our team structured, he'll handle fuel and tires as well. Right. So, you know, the engineer will still tell them what, what set I went on, what my cold pressures need to be. And, and the, and the truck drivers handle that stuff on the days. And they also handle fuel. Uh, you know, we'll call out a fuel load for each, uh, for each session and, tell them exactly how many pounds of fuel to have in the car and so forth. And they run back and forth to the suppliers too. So basically they're on the, on the pit cart, golf cart, you know, picking up tires, picking up fuel, anything else we need, you know, while we're there handling all logistics kind of stuff, while, you know, during, while we're at the track and then during the race, uh, normally we'll use the truck driver as what we call the dead man, meaning that or, or the fire bottle guy. So he'll, he'll be suited up and have a fire bottle or he'll be the guy that holds the valve open on the fuel rig. So, yeah, so you're part of the pit stop. You have to be there and, you know, we do one or two, they're sprint races basically, but we do have a stop or two stops depending on the length of the race. And, uh, so he's the guy that's got to be fully suited up and you'll be holding the, the valve that holds the fuel rig open, but the, the fuel valve that feeds the car through the quick connect that we use. Uh, which is like an aircraft quick connect. It's a really interesting thing that plugs into the side of the car that also vents. And there's a big tank that's up on stilts, basically, that holds the fuel and dumps it into the car. So, yeah, so you'd be there holding the valve. And, and it, that's, it's a, you know, it's called the dead band, but you're the guy who lets go of it when everything catches on fire is what it boils down to. <laughs> if, you see a, so, so if you see a spark anywhere, anything, you let go of that, let go of that valve and it closes. So, but, uh, and the only, and I should have put it in the ad or in the, in the post, uh, we had a guy that was really interested. He just messaged me. It sounded great. It was perfect. Got his, got his start in driving and, uh, working in an, for an MHRA team, which wouldn't be a whole lot different. So he knew the gig and he just sold his truck and trailer and it was kind of stepping away from being an owner operator. I'm like, oh, that's perfect for you. But, uh, the one caveat that I didn't put in there is we have one trip to Canada this year, and I need a guy to go to Canada. So that, that, that might, might that might eliminate you as well, unless you've got some uh, sort of counterfeit uh, thing that you've got to uh, make that yeah, work. It, but yeah, yeah, I was just going to say if if I wanted this, I would be I would be magically vaccinated when I needed to be. <laughs> I figured you would. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you you so, may have somebody already. I was going to say I'm sure we could fill that position well, here today. Well, um, I probably had a, I probably had a dozen. I had a, I probably had a dozen guys uh, interested. We we haven't hired anybody yet, so it's still open. But uh, yeah, the one guy I really wanted is not able to go to Canada right now. So uh, we'll, we'll 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 figure it out. So. Yeah. All right. So I have uh, one. Yeah, it's a cool gig. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I have uh, one trucking topic I want to touch on, and then I have my weird topic for the week. Um, The trucking topic. (laughs) You know, I'm uh, two two uh, articles this morning. I read two reports. Um, 
this is kind of interesting. You know, I've been going back and forth. Why are we messing with hydrogen fuel cell when we're so close to just pure electric? Um, but there seems to be a lot to the hydrogen fuel cell. And all of a sudden, we have two new companies um, who are going to build hydrogen fuel cell trucks here pretty quickly. Um, one of them is too simple. The same company that's right. doing all of the autonomous is now they just started a new company called Hydron, and they're going to build a hydrogen fuel cell truck. They think they'll have it out in like less than two years. And wow. that's Hydron. And then I found another company I've never heard of, Hyzon, H-Y-Z-O-N. Um, they've already got some hydrogen fuel cell trucks on the road, and they're, they're going to be doing more. You know, it's weird, the whole, basically my whole life, certainly the whole time in the industry, we've had fewer and fewer truck manufacturers to pick from. You know, go back when we had Autocar and Marmon and, you know, White and um, REO Speedwagon or what, whatever we had. There were, just, there were just all kinds of different truck manufacturers. And over time, they've either disappeared, been bought, you know, rolled into other companies. Mac and Volvo are basically one company now. Hell, Ford, GMC, and Chevy used to make Class 8 trucks. Um, I had both a GMC and a Ford. They're gone. So, but now all of a sudden, it's this whole electric vehicle thing with cars and trucks. We just have brand new companies building vehicles. That's, that's almost been unheard of my whole lifetime. I, I, think, it's, I think it's easier. Uh, don't take this the wrong way. Nothing, and nothing against any of them, but it's all part shelf stuff, right? So Rivian buys, you know, wheel bearings and brakes and rotors and all that stuff from somewhere and suspension bits from somewhere else and, and you assemble it all. And electric has made it easier. There's, there's less to do. You don't have to build an engine. You don't have to build a, a really complicated transmission. I mean, it really has opened it up for people who are clever enough to, to know how to source these things and assemble them all. And I, I think it's cool. There, I, I'm seeing Rivians all over the place where I am right now. I don't know. A bunch of deliveries must have, must have been made. I don't go a day without seeing one, even in the little town where I am here. Wow. Uh, and but those things seem to seem to be popping up everywhere. I don't know if you're seeing them out west or not. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool little truck. It's smaller than I thought. I, I actually like this size that it is rather than, I, I thought it was a full, full size. It's more, you know, kind of Dodge Dakota size. Yeah. Uh, than, a, uh, than a full size. But I, I think it's easier. And, and that's, not to, that's not to discount what anybody's doing, but I really think it's easier. And on the hydrogen fuel cell front, um, I recently got some insight and, and yeah, I got to be careful on the, uh, our favorite, uh, truck manufacturer, uh, Nikola. And you notice that whole big, their whole class A truck completely changed, right? It, it looks nothing like it did before. It, right. It's, it's now that thing's made, that thing's made in Italy. Uh, it's Natal. It's not an Iveco. Uh, it was designed by a company called Vital design. It's been around forever. But they're the engineering partner on that thing now, and it's coming from Europe. Uh, so they, they've abandoned their their original thing that they did. Um, the engineering firm that does all their other work, the little buggy and uh, their pickup truck and stuff that, that they're still going full going you know full steam with, which might be where my source comes from. Uh, but the big truck is gone. You know, it's been subcontracted now, and that seems to be working. Uh, a local carrier has one. Uh, PGT just got one here, here in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's almost like these are now like they're like kit cars. 
Like you said, you just you you yeah. go out and you buy stuff off the shelf and you just put something together. Right. Yeah. A lot. A lot of the component manufacturers, like like Dana and Meritor, their focus went really hard, kind of just away from. You know, typically we've known them for axles, basically, and drive shafts. Um, they went heavy into the componentry for the EV. So a, a company like Dana now, they offer the battery, the battery cooling systems, the you know the integrated motors for the for the axles, all the controllers, and they sell literally to every single one of these EV manufacturers that we're talking about. And it's it's interesting because I think. I think battery electric is going going to be the the uh, final mile solution, and so that opens the door, I think, to a lot of of uh, manufacturers that may not have a huge dealer network or parts network in place, because the trucks aren't going to be traveling all that far, and they generally are going to be returning home every night. Um, they can work directly with the customer to put, you know, parts in stock and, uh, you know, the customer's not really having to worry about what if I get this thing out in the middle of Montana and it breaks down, what are we going to do? Hydrogen, on the other hand, I think is going to be the, the uh, long haul solution. Um, both Daimler and Volvo, I think they're actually working together on a hydrogen solution. And I think that's where we're going to see more of the, uh, um, today's manufacturers really working hard. Kenworth is working on a hydrogen solution with Toyota. They have the dealer network in place where the long haul trucks, if there's a problem on the road, you could actually get it into a dealer to get things fixed. Where the battery electric, I think it makes it a lot easier for people to get into that market and play because they don't have to worry about a huge dealer network to support the vehicle. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I just thought about something as we were talking about this. Isn't this kind of the way truck manufacturing started? You just bought a bunch of components and threw a truck together, <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, they were all made out of the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just assembled a little differently with a different body on it. Yep. Yeah. You got it. So right. the Joel and I got into a conversation last week. He sent me a uh, link to an electric supercharger, turbocharger, and some other stuff. And uh, it, it blows me away that hybrid's been so greatly ignored. And if you look at the, the infrastructure of some of these uh, hydrogen fuel cells, uh, you know, the hydrogen cells is generating electricity. It's not, you're not burning it in an engine, right? So it ends up being, so there's still batteries involved. And I'm assuming that those hydrogen trucks are probably to, are capable of being plugged in to be topped up as well. Yeah, I would uh, think so. They'd be foolish if they weren't. Right. So, so the range-extended EV is, is, the, is the cool thing. That's what the, the right speed guys were on to some years ago, and I think they're a little bit ahead of their time, so I'm not sure that they're still around. Uh, but they used this little little turbine, basically an APU out of the back of the jet is what I think it was. It ran super efficient, didn't need any kind of after-treatment system on it, so it sat there and ran at one speed and generated electricity. But it was also battery EV, but worst case scenario, that thing would, would, would come on and keep your battery topped up. Uh, so you're still burning a little bit, of, a little bit, I mean, a tiny bit of, of fossil right. fuel, but it works. So what, what's going on now is you've gone to the hydrogen fuel cells that are generating electricity to keep the battery topped up. Uh, regardless, there's, there's got to still be a battery involved, I'm sure. Got it. So and then you just, you, 
You know, we had that uh, conversation last week or the week before where I keep getting this question. People come up with this idea of why don't we plug an inverter in and then charge the batteries from the batteries and create this loop and, you know, that that can't work. Um, But I actually found an article where they've shown why the F-150 Lightning, it has a port Mm -hmm. back in the bed that you can plug into and then use your vehicle as an energy source. It could be a backup battery for your house, which is a really cool idea. So, of course, somebody decided to plug the charging cable from the truck into the charging port in the bed. Yeah, that's simple, right? To see what would happen. And it it actually works. It charges the vehicle. but And they said it would probably sit there and do it for about 150 hours. But they actually calculated there's a 12% loss. So it sits there doing nothing except recharging itself over and over and over until it just runs out of power. <laughs> yeah, that nothing's free. That's for sure. You're not making energy out of nothing. <laughs> You're not. You know, you convert it from one thing to another. It makes heat, right? Where'd that heat come from? That was energy. Yeah. I don't care if it's whatever the machine is. If it's got one bearing, it could have one really good ceramic bearing, and it's still going to have drag, and it's still going to take power away. You might get it to sit there and run a little longer and do some 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 sort of gyrations, but it's not going to. It's just you can't make a perpetual motion machine. It just doesn't work. There are too many too many outside forces acting upon it. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm pretty sure if I would have bought one of those, I would have probably done that within the first two hours. <laughs> I'm plug it in right here. Plug it yeah. in. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how this works. <laughs> Wait a minute. What what if I plug it in and go driving? Shouldn't that work better? <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Shouldn't I just be able to drive uh, forever is, then? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you right. gotta you have to think of the batteries on these things as being no different than fuel tanks, right? It's just a fuel tank. Exactly. It's the same thing. Right. It's just energy storage. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, here's the other thing. I get it. We're all freaked out about electric. You panic when it runs out. What are you going to do? But when you think about it as a, a fuel tank, like you just said, I when we had that massive snowstorm last winter and all those people were stuck on the highway for 24 hours or whatever it was, and people are going, oh, what would you do if you had an electric vehicle and you ran out of power? The same thing you would do if you had a gas vehicle and you ran out of gas. What's the difference? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no difference. Pretty much. It's you do this... have more options with gas or diesel, I realize. But, you know, it's it, out there. You, you know, it takes a little more planning right now. That's going to change soon. That's not going to be long. It, right. That, it, it's, it, it, like, it, that's a good analogy to think of the battery as a fuel tank. That, that's what it is. There's fuel in it. You can put more fuel in it. You can take fuel out of it. That, that's really all we're talking about here. It's, it's really all it is. All right. And again, I have the simplicity of it. I love how much, you know, these vehicles are going to be more simple. The drive line is going to be simple. There's going to, there'll be less electronics in, in the charging system and the drive systems than you have right now in your, uh, uh, in your emission system. I, I mean, think so. there, yeah. it's, it's going to, it's going to simplify things to, to an amazing degree. And again, it's going to be a different skill set to work on it, but you know, sharp, sharp techs will be able to, and, and I guarantee you, we'll be able to do different charging schemes, and we'll be able to do different, you know, just like just like a, a Tesla in Plaid mode. 
you know, we could, you know, if you, if you, if you want more power, it won't be hard. I think it'd be quite easy actually. So that's, uh, the, that, it's going to be fun. I, I think it's, I think the future is bright. Yeah, I do too. The other thing I read today, uh, along these lines, a vehicle or a company developing solar vehicle wraps. So you'll now be able to wrap the whole vehicle with really, really thin, flexible solar panels. I, I saw that. That's brilliant. I've seen a, yeah, I've seen a company <laughs> that's also doing the, the window glass um, as solar as well. Oh, I haven't so seen that. So it'd be interesting to see how that, yeah, I think um, Hyundai or Kia or one of those, they're actually, I think, offering the moonroof as a solar moonroof now in a production car. Oh, cool. Uh, so it's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Pretty damn cool. Hey, I just thought about something with the size of the, of the windshield in my coach. I should be able to power the whole damn thing. If that was sold. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and do you, do you have any, any panels on that yet? What's that? Uh, do you have any panels on your on the on there yet? I really don't. I, I've got to start working on that, but I'm I'm trying to decide on what batteries I want to put in. The um, lithium iron phosphate are actually starting to come down in price. Hmm. We had that discussion for my truck, and I had a whole group of engineers standing around, and we went through all the batteries and the different options and stuff. We came back to to. Uh, the, the glass glass mat still when you start to figure in costs we're just outside of where it makes sense to, to switch over right we're getting close though and, and that's kind of why i'm waiting i can deal with the fact that i've got some weak batteries in the coach i don't have any plans to use it for the rest of the summer i probably won't go out with it again till fall so i just keep holding off doing the battery project. And then when I do the battery project, I want to do the solar at the same time. So, uh, I'm kind of holding off. Well, you're that. a, you're, you're a technology geek and I am sure that the cost difference isn't going to put you out of business. If I was you, I'd go out and get them just to play with them. And, and that's the other thing too. For me, this isn't about cost. I'm not trying to do this the cheapest way. Right. And I'm trying to learn what, you know, what the best option is going to be in the future. Right, four or five people hit me up why I haven't switched over in my in my truck, and the main reason I haven't is just you know that's what we've done in the fleet. I know that it works. I know what the cost is. I know what to expect, and I've got a thousand other things going on with this truck that yeah. I'm going to be upgrading and hopefully work with John on some suspension stuff. And I just don't have time to track new batteries and you know work all the details out of it. And so I, I just went with known um but uh several guys i see out there they have tried some different batteries and they seem to be having some success um we don't see it in the big fleets yet just because of the you know the bean counters get a hold of it and tear it apart it doesn't quite make sense yet but it's getting close there getting you real go. close there you go so, all right kevin do you, I, I i haven't researched this in a while what is the energy density like compared to a, to a glass cap you know i with, am with now I'm now seeing batteries that I think they're um, actually a little smaller than a Group 31. I'm not sure what I keep seeing, but I'm seeing those at like 200 amp hours now. Okay. 
And what's the weight? Yeah, they're they're like around that group thirty one size. They're weighing around thirty to thirty five pounds versus seventy five pounds for the for the glass. Okay, so they're about about half the weight. Yeah, about half the weight. Yeah, for the same density. Yeah, that's 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 big. That's big. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, it it will be. Yeah, I'm not so sure that it's that big of a deal when we're talking about the total weight of the vehicle, but weight savings is weight savings. I think the the bigger advantage is when I look at, you know, putting batteries in this coach. I've got six, uh, I think they're 8D. Whoever, who came up with the way of designating batteries? Why do we have one battery called a Group 31 and another one's called an 8D? What the hell is that? I, I, I don't know. So I've got an old little uh, stand-up electric forklift, you know, when you walk behind here in the shop. Yeah. And it's old. Um, I think it's a Clark or something, but it's electric. It's got four uh, little six-volt batteries. And you know what group number those are? The old, the old you know, the classic six-volt? No. It, it, it's a one. A one? That's what I went with. Wow. The first one. It's a one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered so, batteries for this. They might like what group size. And it goes, it's a one. A I'm one. Like, one. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like an old G pad. You know, remember old yeah. six volt Jeeps? They have a little that little with the three holes in the top, and yeah. they still look exactly uh-huh. the same. They've not they've not modernized those at all. So it's got the three caps, and yeah, it's 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 a one. So and yeah, who, so uh, who came up with this? <laughs> it's, it, it's it's worse than the whole tire size thing, which is also bizarre. <laughs> It's not as bizarre as it used to be. At least it makes sense now. I mean, the, the old the old tire size thing is was just weird. Well, even you know, the new one, the G seventy eight fifteens or whatever. Well, yeah, like. that <laughs> on the new one. Why? Why did we do this weird ratio thing? Where in order to know the si- the height of the sidewall, you first have to know the width of the tread, and then you have to do the math. Right. Just tell us what the size well, is. Percentage. <laughs> Kevin, you're gonna you're gonna love my new truck. I've got some some front some front tires, our steer tires on there. They're gonna be three sixty five seventies, so they're gonna be wider than than normal. And yeah, uh, yeah we, we and and um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit the whole wide base thing with with Michelin. Oh, um, they're going to support this here. So, yeah, I'm going to work with John here and this Australian company about doing some suspension modifications to hopefully solve some of the issues that I kept bumping up against in our fleet operation in terms of tire wear and handling and whatnot. So we've got some fairly sophisticated stuff, it looks like, that we're going to uh, dig into here to try and, and, and solve some of the issues. But I, I think you're really going to enjoy some of the things that we're looking at doing here as far as the suspension technology and hopefully getting these wide base tires to perform the way that, um, that I think they should perform. Um, I know a lot of people are happy with what they have right now, but I think we can do better. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to really digging into this and, and playing with it. Excellent. Yeah, that's exciting. All right. I'm going to throw out my weird topic for the week. Um, did either one of you guys ever play with the little toy soldiers and plastic army guys? 
Of course. Oh, I have a story about that whenever you're done. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... I almost burned my parents' house down playing with those things one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you wanted the flamethrower, huh? <laughs> hey, napalm yeah. attack. <laughs> oh, we did, yeah. yeah. Well, those things burned really well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tried to make candles out of them once. That, that didn't work so well. Wow. Yeah, that didn't work so well. Um, so I was, I was into that. I had a big collection. I'd set up these massive battles. And then, you know, when I was tired of it, I would drop the mother of all bombs, a bowling ball. <laughs> Do you remember was it Second City TV that old sketch comedy show? Remember the guy who used to play in the sandbox? He was an adult, but he played. This yeah, it was, it was one of the sketches yeah. on there. I forget the tall, skinny guy. I forget the comedian's name. who did it, but yeah, it was on. He was on Second City. Used to have the big wars with him. So, so, so my buddy and I couldn't have been ten years old, maybe eleven, and we were having a little war with our with our guys. Which maybe that's a little old for that, but I don't care. So we were, we were out and my dad always kept a uh, regular oil squirt can. It was like half gasoline, half, <laughs> half oil that he used as penetrating oil. That was his, his we, you know, we didn't that, use WD-40. It was too cheap for that. That so is kind of like the palm. So, <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's a pretty much. And, and, and robbed mom's lighter because everybody smoked back then too. So it's like, and, and if you squirt it and hold the lighter in front of it, it was a perfect flamethrower. Oh man. So yeah, so I was napalm and my, my buddy's little plastic eyes and, and, and the little flame flew and went under this bush that we had. It was like August. It was super hot. <laughs> and it went up like paper and it was right under the eaves of the house. And luckily it went up like paper because it just went and didn't catch anything else on fire. It was gone. Oh, like it was, man. it was like, poof. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I I got the hose out immediately, which happened to be right there too, and then you know, but it, it you know it was gone before the, anyone got there or anything big, big, big. It was puff of smoke and this, this. It looked like a Christmas tree, but it wasn't. It was really funny. I don't know what kind of shrub it was. I don't know what shrub. Hey, Don. But yeah. Don. <laughs> If you throw some catalyst on there, the puff of smoke would disappear. Just imagine how would be good that penetrate. My dad told me to take a couple drops. There you go. Oh man. Well, the the the, the point the, the point of this actually wasn't to talk about the little green man, but. <laughs> <laughs> we seem to be having fun with it. The point of this was I, I, I have found the adult version of this, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Are you on your Xbox again? So, no, the, the adult version, it's, it's, uh, it's a garden story. So if people are tired of my garden stories, they can go listen to something else. So the adult version of this, I'm now, I'm now directing massive amounts of insect soldiers. Ah, okay. I like where you're going with this. I'm learning about this whole insect thing, like because I don't use any chemicals at all. Nothing. No chemical fertilizers, no fungicides, no pesticides, no nothing. I gotta figure out how to and this year it's really it's been a really cold, wet spring. Still is. I mean, we haven't started summer yet here at all. And because of it, I've just got bugs all over the place stuff i've never seen little tiny spider mites aphids these little slugs that are about the size of a grain of rice but they are just devouring stuff in the garden 
Every day I'm out there fighting with them. So I started to do research, and the best way to counter this naturally is with other bugs. So today <laughs> I'm going to be out there in the – and I've done a little bit of this last year, uh, but I'm going to be doing a lot more of it. Today I will be out in the garden when I'm off the show today uh, spreading 1,500 ladybugs, um, about 3,000 <laughs> praying mantises, um, about 10,000 <laughs> nematodes, and you just let these things loose, and it's like a battlefield out there. Well, I am glad that you mentioned insects, because when you said Kevin and Army Men and the adult version, I really thought the show was going off the rails at that point. So, you, mean, you, mean, you mean farther off the rails. I'm pretty happy that ended up with insects. Yeah, well, yeah I'm not going to become a missionary or anything. <laughs> so, so Kevin, do you like control the, the right mix of insects? So, like, you get the ones that'll take care of to get rid of the others. That's brilliant. Like, uh, that's really uh, I, I like that for for, for pest control in your in his argument. Have the friendly ones that can take out the not so friendly ones, and it's it's incredible. So now, but so here's what happened last year. So let's just take aphids, because there's all kinds of examples, but aphids are these tiny, tiny, tiny little bugs. There could be a thousand of them on a plant, and you could be looking right at the plant, you wouldn't even know they were there. They blend right in, they're really, really small, and they don't eat the leaves, so you don't even see the damage. What they do is they get on the stems, and they just suck the juice out of the stems, and when you get enough of them on there, all of a sudden the plant just dies. Like you have no warning, like you didn't see the damage coming. The next thing you know, your plant's just dead. So ladybugs, you know, we think of them as these little cute, my God, isn't that what they named the Volkswagen after? They're supposed to be these little cute, yep. you know, um, they are voracious predators. They'll eat like 15 or to 30 of these aphids a day one ladybug and i'm letting 1500 of them loose but here's the problem they're so efficient you let them loose within two or three days they'll just totally eliminate all the aphids but then they'll leave because there's no food for them anymore so wow. one one of the things i'm doing this year till i get this all figured out i actually have ladybugs on a subscription I'll get new ladybugs every two weeks just in case. <laughs> but now I've learned the next step wow. to this. Instead, there you this can get pretty intense. You can plant certain plants that will attract certain bugs that will now become the other food for the ladybugs. So when they clear out all the aphids, they can start feeding on these other bugs that don't hurt your plants, by the way. So you don't care if they're in your garden or not. Now your ladybugs have plenty of food, so they'll hang around. Nice. That's that's brilliant. That's, that's actually, that, that really adds some more fun to gardening. I like that. It, it does. I have like, I have this other one I'll be putting out today for cabbage worms. So cabbage worms will get on all the brassicas, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, all those. Again, they'll just devour the plant in overnight sometimes. So the, most of the time, what you have to do is you just have to keep an eye on them. You have to look on the plant, you just pick them off and squish them. But they can start to overwhelm. If the little white moths that fly around, 
Um, you'll see them. They'll start coming out here in about two weeks. They're the ones that lay the eggs on the plant and then the eggs hatch and they start eating the plant. So on some days you'll see me running around in the garden, you know, and only a few clothes because I'm trying to get as much vitamin D as I can barefoot with a net trying to catch all these little white moths. <laughs> so I'm sure my neighbors think I'm insane. Um, but oh my. A, a much better way of doing this is I, I get this. It's just a little card and you hang the card on a plant or on a post in the garden somewhere. And it has like, 20,000 eggs for this little tiny wasp. You can't even see these things. They're so small. But the wasp finds the cabbage worms and lays its eggs in the cabbage worm. And then its eggs feed on the worms. The worm can't feed on your plant. That's, that's yeah, I love this. I, I do too. I've never thought, I'm surprised my grandfather didn't do stuff like this. He might have actually. You never, I, know, I, I don't know that, but yeah. So here's great. the only thing that, that that I got out of this whole thing. Kevin's running around his garden with as little clothes as possible playing adult army men. <laughs> I, 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 hope, uh, I hope one of his neighbors has oh. a video camera roller or something. So one of the neighbors has to have a ring camera of you or something, Kevin. There's probably a YouTube channel that you don't know about. <laughs> hey, I forgot. There is a, uh, there's a flamethrower in this story. <laughs> I, I i have a uh i have a little hand truck with a 20 pound propane tank on it and a big torch i walk around and use it to to de-weed it's the best way to kill your weeds, weeds in yep. the garden yeah yeah flamethrower yeah. yeah my grandpa used to do that yep absolutely yeah <laughs> all right awesome. well uh that's all i've got for the week anybody else have anything <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of things here real quick. Um, I've got a few owner operators out there that have, you know, kind of bought the whole Volvo iTorque downsped uh, specs. Um, Kim and Al Hammerson just moved into a new Volvo 860 that has basically the plover transportation spec going on. It's a 6x4, 2.26 rear axle ratio with a 14 speed overdrive. Um, Scott Axline, he just moved out of a 800 horsepower Caterpillar glider kit. I think it was a Peterbilt, and he bought a 2.16 lift axle, just like my purple truck. Um, there's a few more guys out there running, running around with them nowadays, and the feedback that I'm getting is it's pretty incredible, actually. They're, they're coming out of these trucks with way more horsepower, and... They are really enjoying the performance of the truck and obviously really liking the fuel efficiency part of it. So Tim and Al's truck has this huge moose guard that they hung on the front of it. And I kind of cringed when I saw that. I thought, oh, God, here we go. You know, we're going to be down to six miles a gallon with this truck. And their first trip out, uh, they were loaded both ways. They ran from Iowa to Cincinnati and back, um, right close to 80,000 pounds both ways. And uh 65-ish mile an hour. Uh, they were right at eight miles a gallon, even with that big old parachute on the front. So huh. was pretty, pretty happy to see that number on a brand new truck. You know, it's, it's only going to get better. Um, they're getting ready to do a West Coast swing, so it'll be interesting to see 
put the numbers come back on the West Coast swing, but uh, it's it's really interesting to hear these drivers, you know, that have four, five, six million miles under their belt talk about what they like about uh, the aggressively downsped gearing with that crawler gear transmission. Uh, Al got into a position in the old part of Cincinnati where it was really tight and hilly and he had to back around some obstacles and he was able to use that crawler gear. And he called me and he was just like, this is, you know, the greatest thing ever to, to get around. You don't get that hoppiness or he calls it a power hop when you're backing up and you're cranking the wheel hard and the, the truck wants to kind of bounce a little bit with the, with the regular automated manuals. He said, absolutely none of that. It was just the smoothest can be. And, you know, he came out of a, uh, a Peterbilt that had a 500 Cummins with an 18 speed and a 308. And uh, to this point, um, really really like the whole downsped uh concept so pretty cool feedback excellent hey joel mm-hmm. how did you end up with the i saw you did the 226 on that why did you go that route rather than something a little little faster even for those guys well uh, uh, they went 226 because they're not gonna run as fast as you know uh a lot of people want to run. So with the more moderate speed, the, the 226 kind of works. Um, anywhere between 226 and 205, depending on where your cruise speed is going to be set in, I think works well. Um, they're going to be out west a little bit more. So I was looking at that interaction between uh, direct drive and 10th gear at a more moderate highway speed. And it, it just worked a little bit better than 2.16. Um, if they would have been closer to 70 mile an hour, definitely would have put them in 2.16. Uh, but uh, they they really enjoy it so far. And uh, he went with a 14 speed instead of the 13 speed. And that 14 speed is purely a luxury item. You do not have to have it. But it is so nice with that extra uh, deep reduction when, when you do get into a tight situation like he was in, being able to drop that thing into the, the low crawler and, and uh, back up with it and, and uh, have a whole lot of control with the truck. Joel, do you know those ratios off the top of your head, the, the low crawler and the reverse? Yeah, it's, uh, it's 42 to 1 um, with a 14 speed. Where your regular 18-speed uh, manual, you're r- roughly 18 to one. Okay, that's a big so difference. You're over over twice. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. It, it really makes a big difference. Um, and it's something that Al was really concerned about. You know, he was not wanting to look like a rookie backing under trailers and sliding tandems and stuff. And, and I get that, you know, it's, it, uh, it's frustrating when you're just doing the everyday thing and the, the truck is giving you fits trying to get, you know, just simple things done like sliding the tandem and that, that crawler gear is just so nice to have. So yeah. pretty cool feedback. You know, speaking of transmissions, I had notes on this. I forgot about it the other day. Um, Eaton and Cummins, um, just launched a tool for um, being able to select the right transmission. You know, it walks you through, it asks you a bunch of questions about your operation. Uh, it's actually pretty nice. 
I like it. I wish we had more yeah. tools like this because it, rather than trying to deal with the salesman who might not know, and he's got to go back and keep checking on things and he doesn't tell you something that might be available to be able to go in there myself and say, here are the options. I can look at all the ratios. It's really a, a pretty nice tool. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I had that conversation with the, the Cummins eating people um, after we had the big blow up about, you know, the 18 speed and the efficiency out on social media. I, I had just called to double check what I understood to be true with the with those folks. And um, they were telling me about the tool that was out there and some of the new stuff they have coming down the pike. So they're going to have some similar stuff coming. It won't go quite to the degree that Volvo has went. Um, Scania is going to bring over their powertrain and it's going to end up in the international and they are going to almost directly copy the ratios that Volvo is using in their transmission and the Scania engine is going to be very similar to the Volvo. So they're going to have a very good downsped solution soon. Good. Um, good. My understanding is that Packard is going to go into a 14 liters is what I'm hearing. Um, and it's going to have some upgrades so that it can run at lower RPM as well. So we're going to start seeing this as we, you know, make the transition to electric and hydrogen. We're going to really start to see the downsped um, engines really kind of come into their own to be that bridge to get us to hydrogen and electric. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, hey, let's um, let's grab a call. Let's uh, let's go to Texas. Paul, what's up? Howdy. Hey, before well, it was summer in Texas yesterday. Before yep. before you get started, earlier John was telling us the story about the racing and the job opening, and he used the term "trucky." Isn't that a Australia New Zealand thing? Yeah, I thought trucky. so. That that's that's the term they use down yep. under, right? Your your truckies. Yep. Thought yep. so. Yeah. So. Yeah, Wonder how that got into racing. All all of American motorsport calls them truckies. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's huh. it. That's the job. It's truckies. Yep. Wonder how that happened. Well, we have a ton of there. There. So those guys, uh, the the Aussies and the New Zealanders, on almost every team has at least one on it. Uh, they're great mechanics. Generally, I don't know why or what happened down there in this form of racing sports cars and formula cars in particular, it, it there's, we there, you can't, you can't throw a stone in the paddock and, and you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to hit one. Huh. Like it, it, well, there, there are so many, that, so many Australians and New Zealanders here. Well, that's what those Kiwis well, look, are good at, for look throwing up. stones at. <laughs> look at, look at, look at, look at, Bert, look at Bert Munro with the world's fastest Indian. That guy's my I hero. Think- yeah. Uh, Yep. Yeah, it, it built, built his, used to make his own pistons in his garage at home. He bought an old yep. Army Indian motorcycle, like oh, a 1923 or something. And oh, he came over, came over to Salt Lake and did 200 mile an hour in 1960. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I forgot what I was going to talk about. Now. Oh, a question <laughs> for Joel. Is, um... Is the turbo compound technology, is that available in the VAH, the auto hauler? I, I don't think so yet. Um, there's not enough room to cram it all in there. Um, 
I think we may see it go relatively soon. So it's, it's not there yet, but I, I believe it's coming. Because yeah. a, a friend of mine, he just got a new Volvo. He sent me pictures the other day, but um, him and his brother, he went and picked it up the other day, and him and his brother, his brother driving the 389 Peterbilt, or 388, same thing, um, and they loaded the same place, and they rode together, and at their first fill up, the Volvo, brand new, the Peterbilt with about 1.2 million miles on it, Volvo took on 13 gallons less fuel than the Peterbilt. Yeah, it, pretty it's much pretty Pretty, pretty amazing. There's a guy in Wisconsin, an owner-operator, that actually had bought a used lift axle truck from a friend of mine that I helped inspect the truck, and he came out of the Peterbilt with the with the big Cummins in it, and um, he gained like three miles a gallon. And he, I mean, he's just jumping for joy because he he done this just as the fuel prices started to take off, and and. Um, you know, he he was in that five mile a gallon range with his with his Pete, and you know he's in that mid eights now. And and you take today's fuel prices and you start uh, looking at yes. the impact of that. It's 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 amazing. Um, Al Hemerson, he done the math on on this trip that he just made, and he's got a buddy that's in that four, four and a half mile a gallon range. And he said the difference would have been like 700 bucks on one, one round. <laughs> it was insane. not crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Crazy. Absolutely. Well, and, and fuel I, I don't know up. how, you, how you cost justify this stuff. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Fuel went up again. I didn't think week. about it. We're up another five cents. Yeah, just think of, think about Europe and and some you know other developed countries, shall we say? I'm mean, thinking live in the Middle East and have really cheap fuel, or maybe some parts of South America. But they've been dealing with this forever. Yeah, I mean, what, what's fuel cost in in, in Europe? Well, I, I was in I was in England. I said last last trip I was in France in the like early 2000s, and as I recall, I remember I had a little diesel Fiat for the rental car. And the diesel there was somewhere in the six to eight. It, it equaled yeah. to six to eight dollars. They were on the euro then, so it was euro. So, but it, but it was like six to eight euros a gallon in in the early two thousands. Yeah, you know, twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, so it, you know some of these technologies and some of this efficiency and some of the stuff that we're seeing here now, and you know, a company like Volvo, who's an international company, who's got you know they've got customers throughout the world who have been dealing with insanely high fuel prices forever. So efficiency is, you know, it, 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 it hasn't been that important here and uh, maybe it's going to be. So. Yeah. In 1992 in New Zealand, a car I bought, it had a huge fuel tank on it, uh, Australian muscle car, and we've paid a dollar a litre for fuel in 1992 for petrol. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Paul. Yeah. So, and hey. now... Hey Paul. Hey Paul. It's a yeah. bunch of bunch of dumb Americans listening. You got to do the conversion. Nobody understands what a dollar a liter. Is. That almost sounds cheap. Three point nine liters is one U.S. gallon. Okay, there you go. So, so in but at, at that time, New Zealand money was worth about half of what a 
of US money was worth. So uh, we were still paying two dollars a gallon in nineteen ninety two American money. Yeah. 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 Roughly. Yeah, well, I, 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 Joel, you and I have talked about this. We were working on fuel economy when it was 80 cents a gallon and everybody thought we were idiots. Right, yeah, that, that's exactly right. It is just amazing the number of people that have, you know, hit me up through Facebook, you know, private messages, whatever, that they're in that 379 with the 800 horsepower cat. It's like, please help me, please help me. I, what can I do? I mean, it is what it is when when, when you have that truck. I, I hate to say that, but I mean, there's there's only so much you can right. do. And, and when your aerodynamics are a brick and you've got this great, big, huge, you know, it's just nuts. And I feel bad for these guys. I really do, but there's only so much you can do. The only thing you can really tell them to do is slow down. Slow and they down. don't want to do that. I, I know. Yeah. Last yeah. week, somehow I got, you know, I, I really don't post on Facebook anymore, but I still scroll it almost every day. Look for ideas. I see trends that are going on in all the different groups. And, the one somehow I ended up on the list of this Ohio truck sales. Never seen them before, but all of a sudden, just post after post was showing up in my feed. The funny thing was, though, like seven posts in a row is this company, this Ohio truck sales, and it's a picture of the salesman standing there shaking somebody's hand who just bought a truck from them. Every I, single one of them were three seventy nine Pete's. I saw that, and the guy buying the truck's got this big old smile on his face, and I'm <laughs> right. thinking to myself, that's going to last about three days, and then you're going to realize the, the problem that you've got. I, I mean, I just, I just, I was dumbfounded. I was just looking at the expression on that guy's I face know. and just thinking to myself. I, Eyes wide open, man, and you're walking right into it. I was like, oh, gosh, here we not, go. Not, so only just amazing. Are, not only were most of them just 379s, which is bad enough, but they were like 379s on steroids. You know, the big billboard-sized bumper, yeah, the big yeah, drop yeah, visor, yeah, yeah. like giant yeah. stacks, and, you know, everything you could do to screw up aerodynamics, <laughs> they took it to the limit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there was another post out there that kind of hit, hit home a little personally here. So this guy, uh, he posts, he says, I just saw one of those 10 mile gallon trucks running around the bypass around Fort Wayne going 57 mile an hour. Of course, this was my, my stepson out there running this truck and they're all laughing about, well, how can you make any money at 57? And they're going through these scenarios about you could run X amount of miles more oh, and all please. this extra revenue. Travis runs a dedicated route with dedicated appointment times and 57 mile an hour works to hit all these. He's never late. Trav runs a hundred thousand miles a year. He makes right around a hundred grand. Um, he's got benefits. <laughs> he does very well as a company driver. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'll bet you all these guys that are ragging on him right now, they'd be hard pressed to, to do as well as, as he's doing. But when you look at that, you take that hundred thousand miles a year, he works 50 weeks. That's 2000 miles right a week, right around there. Uh, divided by five and a half, you're running what 400 miles a day. Do you really have to run 75 mile an hour to get 400 miles in a day in? Exactly. 
Yeah. And so, so who's, who's affecting rates negatively? These guys running 75 mile an hour or trap out there running 57 mile an hour. And the other part of this is this guy posted this right after that big accident that happened out in Arkansas where that big truck pile up out there that, that yeah. killed three, four people. Yep. So I, you know, this stuff is just getting ridiculous. And then the one guy makes a statement: "There's no maintenance savings in slowing down oh, a tire please. at 55 mile an hour wears the same at 65." I was like, "Are you freaking kidding? <laughs> this is what we're dealing with, man." I was just, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" So I expect in this downturn that we're going to wash out a lot of these these like, guys that I, I don't know. I just don't get it. <laughs> Let's think about this for, for just a second. I did some math the other day on a truck going from five miles to the gallon to six miles to the gallon with today's fuel price. From going from five to six, the savings was $25,000. That's insane. Now, what if you went from five to 10? I may do the math here in a little bit because it doesn't take long. It has to be... Yeah, go- just an incredible go, number. Go, go five to ten, and then add in a thirty-nine percent savings on your maintenance cost. Yes, yeah. On now, top of the fuel savings, and now, the, now tell me who's the better one? Well, and let's even if that's twenty percent savings, Joel, think about it. You know, that's that's a big number. A lot of people won't won't be able to believe that that maintenance number. But even if you back it down to twenty percent, right? Right. It's, it's it's still and huge. obviously that's going to depend on age of the truck and so forth. And, you know, so, so there's always, uh, you know, some, some caveats to that. That's not, that's not a, uh, you know, that's a sliding scale that maintenance cost thing. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. But still, even at 20, right. Which I, which I, you know, anyone should be able to believe, right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah I believe that, you know, Tires in particular, you know, realize how much more friction the coefficient of friction of the tire at 75 well, as opposed to one at 57. You know, this like, is exactly how I was going to break it down for this guy, you know, talking about how you have the increase in rolling resistance. It's a linear path and it takes more horsepower to, to run at higher speed. Therefore you're increasing torque. And then when you apply to blah, 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 and, and I just, I was looking at it and I go, you know what, if that guy really believes, I am not going to waste my time trying to break it down that if you slow down, your tires actually last longer. It's just <laughs> mind boggling that, well, that these guys, anyway, let's wow let's take it a step further and let's look at who really benefits from either scenario driving faster or driving slower so when we drive fast absolutely at today's prices between fuel and maintenance and the other thing you have to remember if something breaks on your truck you may not be able to get the part anymore that, that's another issue you should Correct. be thinking about. Tires are harder to find. You want to make sure yours last as long as they can. So under the scenario of, I'm just going to drive as fast as I can because that's how I make more money. Well, first off, you, you don't. So, you know, it, whether you want to admit that or not, you just don't. We could prove it to you all day long. So you're not really benefiting from going faster. Let's see who does benefit. Does um, the company maybe you're leased to or the company you're moving freight from, do they benefit from you driving faster? Hell no, because you have to charge them more to make a profit. Does the general public benefit? Hell no, because inflation's going through the roof and transportation is a part of everything. The, the motoring public also doesn't benefit from trucks running around like idiots at 80 miles an hour, safety-wise. So who benefits here? I can think of two 
big entities that benefit. The oil companies. <laughs> big oil companies. Big oil companies yep. certainly yep. do. And guess who else? The government. Fuel tax. Yeah. The more fuel yeah. you burn like to do the, guy job, the more money the government makes, too. Your mechanic will probably love you, too, because yeah. you're going to be in the shop a lot more often, whether you believe that or not. That's just a fact. Yeah. You are going to be in the shop way more often. So if you go ask your mechanic, does it make any sense to slow down? He's probably going to tell you no. <laughs> if I was a mechanic, I would want him out there running 80 mile an hour. Right. So um, it's it just it's crazy. If, if you do the math, and again, there are probably formulas for this, but the weight of the truck is suspended. You've got springs, you've got dampers, shock absorbers, bushings, everything. So when you hit that bump, it's 70. So you have that mass, it's not moving. <laughs> and that suspension takes that up. And it still has that same weight on it. And, and there's, there's probably some crazy acceleration formula you could use or something. But the wear on every one of those hits, whenever it hits that same bump that you're going to hit it, it, it's 55 or 57 at 70. So you could be right on that 30% thing. That, that, that sounds so high to me. But... It, it, it's everything. You're going to wear shocks out faster. You're going to you're going to wear brakes out a lot faster. You know, you're turning yeah. that speed that you just that that, that speed that you just uh, burn fuel to make is now going to just turn into heat in your brakes. Uh, whenever you go to slow the thing down, so there's more energy wasted. It's uh yeah, it's it, it's a big deal. And then I, I can't go on enough about Aero Drag. Aero's my world, and 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 I love that uh, it wasn't supposed to be the. The, finally, the race car analogy and trucking. That was, I think you posted that, Joel. Naxi, yeah, yeah. Naxi put that yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been saying for years. It's the same shit. Aero drag. Aero drag is exponential. It's exponential, meaning that it, it doesn't. It, it goes up by a power. It doesn't go up by you know. Okay, I'm only going ten percent faster, so I'm gonna have ten percent more aero drag. It doesn't work that way. It goes well, up like and, by a power. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the parasitic drag and the powertrain is also exponential. And we talked about this, John. So when you start to think yep. about that 30 or 39%, when you just take into account the dynamics you talked about in the suspension, and then you, you, you think about the exponential increases as speed increases, it's not hard to get to a 30% reduction by backing your speed down 10 mile an hour in maintenance costs with today's modern engines, especially in the emission system. We know what increased piston speed does to particulate. We know when we slow that piston speed down, particulate almost disappears. So it, it is definitely not hard to get there on a modern truck if we manage our speed to reduce our maintenance costs significantly. And, well, you know, hey, people out there, oh, it don't make no difference. They're nuts. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt did the math for me on the fuel thing. The difference between um, a truck getting five miles to the gallon and a truck getting 10 miles to the gallon on 120,000 miles a year, it's $72,000. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Yeah. $72,000. So tell me how you're going to make that so, up by going faster. So here's, here's the example the guy used. He said, well, I can make an extra $2,000 a week going faster. Okay. That's, that's a top line. That's a top line number. So by the time he takes all of his expenses and stuff out, where's he at? And even his top line number is just barely more than the bottom line number of the savings of the fuel. So I mean, right. yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. a small percentage. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that extra two grand he made, it, 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 you consumed yeah. way more than that. 
Yeah. It just absolutely okay, and then, nuts. Yep. Instead of losing seventy grand, he lost sixty five. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, again, I don't want to say cool. Maybe, maybe it's cool. Maybe, but there is an option now, right? So, you know, five, five and a half mile per gallon trucks or six mile per gallon trucks are still really common, but there never really was a viable off the shelf option. And now you've probably got two solid ones. You know, you you, you can do it at Volvo or you could do it or you can do it at Freightliner now too. I mean, you could, you could go buy an off the shelf truck. that's going to be solidly in the nines. Yeah, I mean, if you get Kim and Al to slow down a little bit, they'll probably be in the nines tomorrow. Take a loose bumper yeah. off and go down to fifty-seven. They'll they'll be they'll be midnight in the tap. So yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, even with with the big bumper on the front, when a brand new truck pulling the weight they were pulling to to come in, it just they just missed eight. It's like seven point nine, I think they ended up for the week. Pretty damn impressive, really, for for what they have going on there. And uh, it's only going to get better if that engine breaks in. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get a a solid eight-and-a-half-mile-a-gallon truck with a bunch of stuff hanging on it. Yeah. That's crazy to me. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. But, yeah, like I said, you have the option now. You can do it. Uh, Again, the new trucks are expensive, I realize. It's probably, you know, it's going to take a while to get that back. But, uh, yeah, I don't... uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't. I really, as much as I love fancy trucks, I do. I like looking at them at shows. I like to watch them drag race and stuff. There's cool stuff you could do with them, but that's where they belong. They, they, they don't need to be out working. Yeah, I just changed my dispatch on the steer axle at 1,079,000 miles. I just put you dispatch. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I I had to buy I had to buy a new caliber because when he pulled the I thought I had something going going on because when I rotated the tires a few weeks earlier I noticed the right hand disc pad was disappearing quicker than quicker than the left hand one. So I said I might have something going on on the right front there. But when he pulled the the disc pad out, the piston popped out of the caliper. So, twelve hundred and fifty, ah. no, fourteen twenty for a new caliper. But at one million and seventy nine, I'm not complaining. So, yeah, and yeah that's, that's pretty incredible. Mostly, hey. mostly I run, mostly I run sixty two. Even in eighty mile an hour Texas, I ran sixty two, <laughs> and I didn't get rear ended. <laughs> imagine that imagine that right yeah <laughs> yeah all right hey i'm gonna let everybody know that uh we do we haven't really asked for calls today paul i'm gonna cut you loose um i'll ask for them right now we'll probably wrap this up here in a couple minutes unless we start getting some calls but if you want to jump in uh, we'll hang out for a little bit in case you have some questions or a comment or anything you want to talk about uh, we'll wait a couple minutes here. 855-950-3835. Any, anybody have anything else they want to throw out while we're waiting on a call or two? No, I'm Yeah, hey, I, I drove my, uh, my Lexus down to the Mod Center down in Virginia from Ohio the other day. And, you know, we were talking about traffic, nobody slowing down. Of course, everybody's running 80 mile an hour, so I... I uh, wound that thing up and set the cruise and was running with traffic right around that 80-mile-an-hour mark. And that car had almost 30 miles a gallon running 80-mile-an-hour through the, <laughs> the hills of West Virginia. I was I was impressed. That was pretty damn cool. 
That is that's impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah. So I've been playing the. Uh, I've been driving driving quite a bit. I've done two events at Watkins Glen in the last three weeks. I've been driving up there, and, and you, you know that road, Joel. Like it's ninety nine basically from sure. the, whole, the whole way up uh, through yep. Williamsport, and it, it's a gorgeous drive. So yeah. I bought a. And don't accuse me of spoiling my kids, but when my son went to college, he needed a reliableish ride, and I found this one series BMW for like nice. eight grand. And it's it's a one twenty eight. It's not the turbo fancy one. It's just a little coupe. It's a light little car. It's they, they've all grown so much, um, and it's got the it's a little two point eight liter straight six in it, uh, or three liter straight six, and it's a manual. So I've been playing the fuel mileage game. Uh, so it, it was sitting here at the shop. I hadn't been running it. I've been driving my either my my Dodge that gets over twenty if I drive it properly, and that that was better than my Rover that gets twelve. Uh, but I've got all these trips coming up. I'm like, well, the BMW's here because he bought his own car, graduated from college, has a job, bought a car, gave this back to me. So it's so I'm like, I'm gonna get that dusted off, get it inspected, change the oil, give it a quick going over, and I'll start running that around this summer. And I've been playing the fuel mileage game. It's, it's a manual, so I, I shift, I pull out in first, go straight to second, then I go four six, and nice. the, the thing uh-huh. never goes over two thousand RPM. And I've got I got. 38 miles to the gallon on the last trip to Washington nice. and running, running 65. Nice. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Just playing around with the, you know, short yeah. thing. And it's a, you know, it's a pretty it's cool. Yeah. Hey. You know, if I drive it fast, it won't do that, but it's, it's, it's just a hoot. Yeah. Hey. So it's, it's a fun little thing for the personal car. You know, it's actually pretty incredible about that. Um, the smart car I had with a 700 CC three cylinder engine and we know how tiny and light that thing is. It only, I mean, you struggled to get 40 out of that thing. I, I'm dying to do a 40-mile tank. I'm, I'm not sure what it's going to take to do that. I'm going to start, like, taping up the grill and stuff, I think. And <laughs> with that. But, uh, so this engine, so that BMW, it's called an N54. And uh, I, I'm not, a, not that I'm a huge BMW. I like them. You know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a big. And I didn't know about this when I bought this car. It has no throttle butterflies, and it's a technology that they that they adapted from their diesels uh, to keep pumping losses down. So all acceleration, whenever you hit the throttle, you know they're all electronic fly by wire nowadays. It's got a variable valve lift on the intake, so all it does is limits the lift on the intake. So it's sitting there idling, it's barely opening the intake valves. That is pretty cool. Yeah, that that's is. awesome. So you pull the intake off; it's the same intake they used on their on their diesels in Europe. It's exactly the same. Huh. I'm like, you know, I didn't, I've never had it off, but I looked, you know, I'm like, where's the, where's the throttle body? I'm like, <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> that's a, that's like, a pretty sick idea. That is awesome. That and is. the thing makes so much torque for a gasoline engine. Like I so you could drive it around and never go over 2000 RPM. It's just, it's a torquey little straight six. And you know, it's, I love that sound from the straight six and the infrastructure. It's just, yeah, it's, it's fun to drive. Neat, neat little car. Yeah, I'm really impressed with the technology. And it was it's a 2008. You know, it's not, not new by any means. Yeah. See, John, now you're going to have me out shopping. <laughs> that is that is that is slicking vehicle. That is Well, well, come on, we got a variable. <laughs> Hell, they gotta have something like that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot! Yeah, yeah they, they call it Valtronic. It's called Google it. It's really cool. Uh, engineering yeah. has a really really cool little thing on it. Yeah, that is. Yeah, cool. it definitely will. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the the calls are starting to come in. Let's grab some and see what right. uh, what everybody else wants to talk about. We're off to South Dakota. Jamie, welcome to the program. Morning. So I've got a new Mac. I talked to you a little while ago about it. You know, with my burning depth and the, they put too much uh, put too much frame under it. I got a 233 inch whale base, but I hear everybody else talking about their good mileage, and I'm struggling to get in the midst of it. You know, I, I write it down every night. And my last trip to from uh, South Dakota to California and back, I got 7.2, running 60 miles an hour. Gotcha. And and what what are the specs on this truck? Uh, 55, 1850, uh, overdrive, high start, M drive, and 247. And it is, it's, it's overdrive and not direct, and it, it is the HE? Yeah. That's, that's okay. Yeah, the, the thing that I'm thinking is is that there's there's got to be some parameter uh, things going on here. Uh that long wheelbase, the gap between the truck and the trailer will be a very difficult thing to overcome. Um, part of the reason the the new Volvos and Max do so well when, when we spec them right, we have that tight gap is that we can really lay the horsepower down when it's not required. And when you have a big gap, you are going to require more horsepower to drag that thing through the wind. So that's going to be problematic. Um, do you have your own trailer, or is or are you pulling company trailers? I'm pulling company now. I'm looking for one on my own, but they're just so expensive. I just think they're yeah, they are, they are right now. That's exactly right. Yeah, the trailer market's a little goofy right now. When you get to that point where you're pulling your own trailer, obviously you're going to be looking at putting a nose cone or something on the front of that to help close that gap up. Um, they have the little wings that you can also buy. I, I hear they're pretty expensive. I don't know much about them to help close that gap, but the, the best laid out truck in the world, uh, spec mechanically, when, when you have that gap, that, that really complicates things. There are probably some things that can be done as far as parameters go. And I know Mac just released some updated, um, parameters. I'm not sure if they're out to the dealer yet. Um, that's something that we would have to look, look at. If you find me on Facebook, send me a private message with your, with your VIN number. And, uh, I'll see if I can, if I can, uh, look at it and tell what you've got going on parameter wise. A lot of times, especially with the 247, which is, what I consider kind of a, a, a tweener ratio. It's not really downsped and it's not really traditional. The parameters get a little complicated on that to get it right. And uh, I'd be interested to see what you have going on as far as shift logic and parameters. I'm assuming we can probably tweak that a little bit possibly, but I, I need to see what you've got going on first. And, and I've got four or five people in line in front of you. So when you send this, it may take me a little bit to get to it, but I'll, I'll get to it as quick as I can. Uh, I just finished up with the Hammersons getting their truck straight. I've got uh, a guy down in Ashland, Ohio. I'm going to get him straight. And then I've got a, a guy out of another guy out of South Dakota that I got to get him straight as well. So um, send it over and I'll see what I can do with it. All right. Thank so you. you guys have a in South in South Dakota, you ought to hook him up with Jamie, other Jamie. 
right? Yeah, Jamie Hagan. That's probably where we'll, yeah. we'll get him in there. But I, I, I need to see what what he has going on, so I can give him a little bit of direction. Um, because there's been some some updates to that 247 logic, and um, when you get into some hills, a lot of times it'll pull the traditional way that they were doing it it would pull down a little bit too far. The truck would fall on its face and then it would struggle to recover. You'd lose a ton of speed on the hill and then you'd have to make it up on the backside and it was yeah. killing guys fuel mileage. So there's, there's some tweaks going on with that shift logic that, that we need to address. Why, why did I think that Jamie lived in Michigan? He, he is in Michigan now originally from, I think Aberdeen up in that area. So he's, he's in Michigan now, but, was originally from South Dakota and he, oh, okay. he deals with one of the dealers up there in, in South Dakota. And my understanding, and I haven't visited these people personally, uh, Jamie's used them for a while. Um, my understanding is they've got a pretty good handle on some of the shift logic stuff. So, um, he'll probably, that's where I'll probably end up directing him, but I just want to make sure what he's got going on first. So I can give him a heads up before he walks into the dealer. So he's not going in there blind. Got it. All right, let's uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to Wisconsin. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hi, I just want to thank you guys. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for three years and absolutely love the Friday uh, technology. Um, I'm looking, I have a 2021 Freightliner Cascadia, Cascadia, and I'm looking to put solar... Uh, up on the roof, and I was just wondering if there was a company out there that makes a solar panel panel that's kind of in the shape of the style lines, I guess, up there that would fit kind of in that U shape that's on the top of the truck, or are they Merlin. all the square, square square ones? I think Merlin Solar is actually making a custom fit panel for the Freightliner. They are designing me a custom fit panel for my new build. So I do know they do custom fit stuff. And I, I believe because Nussbaum um, is a is a big customer of theirs and they run mostly Freightliners, I believe that they do have some custom fit panels already in production for that truck. Okay. Has anyone looked at possibly putting solar on the hood? Yeah, I, I've actually got a couple trucks with solar on the hood, and my next build will have solar on the hood. Okay, so I've got I've got it on the hood and on the and on the on the roof. So uh, I think I'm total wattage on the 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 roof cap. I think is around 600 watts, and I think we can pick up another 300 on the hood. So we're right around 900. And you have to remember the solar is there to extend and maintain the life of the battery over time. Um, it's not, you're not going to get a huge extension. Like if you have a, an EAPU, it's, you're not going to go from seven or eight hours to 15 hours. Um, yeah. just because you put the solar up there, what it will do is when you have new batteries in the new batteries will maintain their performance right out until the very end until they die. So instead of in two years, you know, the battery performance slowly drops off and you start with a brand new set of batteries, you get eight to 10 hours. And by that second year, you're down to six hours and, and things aren't going so well. And people are complaining that the, the solar really, really helps to maintain that uh, constant performance over the life of the battery. 
You know, Joel, um, 900 watts mm-hmm. on a tractor, that's pretty impressive. Um, that's that's quite that's a, a bit lot, charging from that, that amount yeah, of space. And like you said, the, the yep. biggest benefit is is how well it helps condition your batteries over time. The other benefit, though, 900 watts, although it, it's not going to do a whole lot for your cooling capabilities, 900 watts provides you a lot of power for a lot of other stuff. Right. And, you know, when you get in the yard and you park the truck for a couple of days, you don't have to worry about yeah. shutting everything off. and. Yeah. And, um, it, 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 it just does a really good job. One thing that Nussbaum found when they ran, uh, their EAPUs without solar panels, and then they would fire the truck up in the morning with that big alternator to put the charge back into batteries. They were pulling like a crazy amount, like 16 horsepower through that big alternator wow. to charge the battery. And then when they had the solar on there, um, and this was all after a 34 hour break, uh, they cut that horsepower draw in half and it took like half the time to bring them back up to full. So they were thinking that just on the fuel savings alone, based on that big horsepower draw through that alternator, that that paid for the solar panel all by itself without even bringing in the extended life of the, uh, the batteries. Nice. Nice. Hey, it sounds like, yeah. uh, you know some people over at Merlin. I may need to get an introduction from you. If they do custom, that's the other thing that's held yes. me back from trying to put much solar on my coach. Believe it or not, even though I've got 45 feet and you know a flat roof up there, I have almost no room. By the time you figure I have three air conditioners up there, I have multiple vents, I've put cellular antennas up there, external antennas. Um, I just really don't have a lot of room, and it's all choppy. So if they could actually do some custom stuff, that'd be very cool. Yeah, yeah, I will, uh, I'll get you hooked up with them, and I, I'm, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to come out and, and take a look at things yeah. and uh, get you set up. Good, good. All right, let's uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to Michigan. Larry, welcome to the program. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? So, I have a dedicated run. It starts in Illinois, finishes in Michigan, turn around and go back. I've slowed down to 57 miles an hour. Piss a whole lot of people off. <laughs> and... I slowed down from 67 to 57. My lifetime average on this truck, which is only a year old, was 791. Now my 30-day average is 918. Wow. Holy crap. Nice. Yeah. And and my fuel surcharge, I usually end up with about $360 a week. My fuel surcharge is higher than my fuel cost. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it does cost me an hour and a half longer to make the run, and it forces me into a half-hour break. So we're looking at two hours each day longer. Okay. But it's a dedicated run. Right. Now, if I get into a hurry i can always speed up yeah. yes it's going to cost me money to speed up right. but it, i can always do it it's always an option exactly right right 
You know, you know, the other thing about the whole speed debate, and I know this is going to piss a lot of people off, so we know that there's some pretty major fuel savings, and, and, and we understand that there's some maintenance savings going on here, but it really is a, a huge factor in safety, and this new camera that we have installed in the truck, this driver eye system, has really opened my eyes as to what impact speed has when you're trying to manage your your safety gap and you know in the past we've always looked at that gap as distance well distance doesn't really work it has to be time because speed varies and it's almost impossible for a driver to estimate the time on that gap and you know we have some radar systems in the truck now that that does a pretty good job um so I've been experimenting here, and when I run between 57 and 62, I can score perfect on my gap. It's, it's at, at four-plus seconds um, constantly, and it, it's perfect. Once I start to get between 62 and 68, that gap um, generally is falling to 3.8. My score is still pretty high. Once I get north of 70 mile an hour, things just go off the rails. The score collapses. Um, the other day, I ran uh, just a smidge over 70 from uh, Atlanta down to Augusta, uh, Georgia. And uh, my safety score was pretty embarrassing. I mean, I didn't even meet the minimum threshold. It was like 770. <laughs> but from from the driver's point of view... I thought I was doing a pretty good job at maintaining right. my gap, you know, and, right. and we, we see it as distance and regardless if traffic's 55 or 70, we typically maintain that same distance. Well, at 70, you need more time. And so that gap has to change. And, and we, as drivers, we don't connect that in our head. And, um, it, it was just amazing. I mean, I was down to like 3.1 seconds on my gap and, you know, we were looking for plus four to actually be safe. And think about the accident out in Arkansas where you had all these trucks run over each other. I'll guarantee you if we had a four plus second gap on that, that accident doesn't happen. Right. Just right. doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, here's something so else. That, that, Joel, I have to imagine when you were doing the 57 to 62 and you get a perfect score, you didn't even really have to work at it. That was just your natural no, you driving and you were maintaining a gap that you're used to maintaining and that gap at that speed yes. works and you get a perfect score. My guess is when you were up over right. 70, if you were trying to improve your score, which you should be because you know you're unsafe at this point, but I'll bet the, the yes. attempt to manage that gap is really stressful. It is. It's extremely stressful trying to figure out, you know, how do I make, I mean, it's, it's like you're hyper aware of everything that's going on and you got the adrenaline running and you know what happens when you have adrenaline running in your body. Yeah. It kind of wakes you up, but over time it really starts to screw with you. And especially mentally at the end of the day, when you're running that fast, if you're actually concerned about safety and maintaining that gap, it's a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. And so now this goes back to all the guys that are claiming how wonderful speed is for the transportation industry. Not only is that fast truck driving the rates down for everybody else because right. we're increasing capacity, but we're also driving insurance <laughs> rates up for the rest of the industry because our safety is shit. 
Yep. So, gee, thanks, guys. You know what I mean? Hey. Um, you're, you're putting everybody out of business. It's hey, great. Let's not forget, you know, we're talking every day when I read the headlines, I keep seeing these comparisons to the early 80s, the fuel crisis of the 70s. Remember what happened back then? We ended up with a 55-mile-an-hour national speed limit. You know, and, and I brought this up, I think, last time we talked. I can remember when I started that any time that we had uh, a change in capacity that was playing with rates or fuel prices spike, all the big fleets, the first thing they'd done was slow down. And everybody kind of followed suit. That was just normal. It's like people understood business a little bit better back then they weren't this one track focus of i gotta run 75 because that's what i feel like is best we don't do that anymore i mean everybody's still running like crazy even at you know this the crazy high fuel prices and and uh this is all gonna blow up in our face and there's gonna be a huge calling of the of these guys that aren't gonna slow down they refuse to or they think they're making all this extra money Uh, there's gonna be a a big washout coming. I, I'm I'm sure of it. Well, you know, that will take care of itself. I can't believe right. the big companies haven't cut their trucks back yet. No, well, well, here's what they're thinking, and then I'll tell you what the thought process here is because my brother's struggling with this right now. Um, we're expecting the washout to happen, and they're trying to attract these drivers to come drive for them. And if you start to slow your trucks down before you put drivers in the seat here, you're going to lose out on a recruiting opportunity. So they're waiting for the washout. Once we get drivers back in the seats, I think you're going to see, and I think this is why the ATA is supporting the, the speed limit reduction because now they can say, well, the government made us do right. it. They don't have to go back to the employees and say, right. we're slowing your truck down. So they know yeah. exactly what's going on here. There's, there's going to be a washout. They're going to pick up a bunch of former owner operators as company drivers. The government's going to come in and slow the trucks down to 65. Everybody's going to be happy. That's what's going to well, happen. Let, let's think well, about with this. Current, uh, oh, go ahead, John. Think about technology. Uh, technology. Yeah, again, I'll go and, and tech geeking out here though. Okay, slowing trucks down back in 1980 when you had your 300 Cummins, it was already pretty anemic and didn't really run all that well. <laughs> yeah. So you're just driving it around flat out everywhere and probably burned more fuel going slow. Um, maybe not more, but it, it was not a big deal. But with current technology, just think. The way it can be programmed, I'm just talking about efficiency here. Uh, you know, you can get to a whole bunch of other arguments about a bunch of trucks going exactly the same speed and all that other crap. You know, there are arguments against it there, but with the downsped technologies and the transmission technologies and the, and the ability for the programming and the, and the transmission shift points and so forth, slowing trucks down right now can save a shit ton of fuel as we okay. see. Right. So yeah, d- done properly to the correct equipment. I mean, yeah, we need to obsolete some people's stuff, which is, it happens. Eventually your stuff gets obsoleted. It's okay. Um, you get different stuff and you make more money with it. Um, it's just the way it works. But uh, yeah, it's really not the devil that everybody thinks it is. I'm actually sort of, I don't want to say excited about it, but it, it really could make a huge difference. Well, just- the other thing I think with the, with the new technologies coming in with the electric trucks, energy management becomes even more critical because the batteries aren't as energy dense, right. obviously, as diesel fuel is. So, so I think this also plays into that. They're kind of looking at this. They're looking at the economics of things. Uh, 
the, the big fleets want to slow the trucks down, but they know they can't because of the hiring issue. And the government, I think, sees the, the electric trucks coming in, and they know they have to manage that that energy a little closer. So the slower speed limits from the government's point of view without bringing the safety part into it, um, they're, they're being pressured, I think, from the electric truck people and from the big fleets to, Does- to go ahead and do this. Um, and it, there's, it does make some sense. There's no doubt. John, you mentioned, you know, speed limiting on a 300 Cummins. Does anybody ever remember driving a truck with a mechanical governor? (laughs) That sucked. Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 Remember how, remember how Matt used to do it? Mac used to just put a 517 rear end gear in it, and as fast as you could go was 55. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, with your old, sp- speaking <laughs> of that, so imagine this today. I've told this story many times. The first truck I bought that ever taught me about fuel economy and got me paying attention to it was that Volvo I bought from Swift. It was almost brand new when I bought it. But at that time, Swift had a 57 mile an hour speed limit. Those trucks were governed at 57 for Swift in the early 90s. And that's it. That's it. That's as fast as the truck would go. And even when you took the um, electronic speed limiter off, there wasn't much faster that it would go because it was kind of gear bound and it had an rpm restriction so that truck was just not going mm-hmm. to go 65 no matter what you did to it. <laughs> well, yeah which is so different from what's capable today right so you're going to you're going to limit speed not just rpm you can do it all electronically so there's not it's it's not it's not like it was then right so they just gear for that for the most part they'd, they'd limit the rpm to 1800 or whatever and then gear it to go 65 at 1800 and it was done right. um so now it's a whole different world. It really is. It's not going to be like it was then. Well, uh, and, yeah, and it could be great for efficiency. Joel, go. So what, to John's point here, what we're what we're talking about real quick is we're not just limiting the RPM. So as we have more gears available at highway speed, obviously we want to cruise in, in like a direct or possibly even an overdrive when we're light. But now we're bringing this underdrive into play, and with the when we do this electronically, we can give underdrive some more RPM and, you know, get us up, up in the, in the torque range because of the torque multiplication and the performance of the truck remains very strong. And that's really what we're playing with an iTorque here. It gives us great efficiency when we're light. It gives us really excellent pulling power when we're, when we're heavy because we can allow or adjust RPM to work with that particular underdrive gear at a highway speed, something we've never been able to do in the past. And it definitely makes a difference on how that truck drives and, and the driver's perception of the truck. You know, Swift being, you know, governed at 57 back then, and they were a huge company back then. Um, Joel, what do you think your, uh, uh, is it your brother or your brother-in-law that runs the? Brother brother what do you think your brother would say if you went to him and said hey what do you think would happen if we governed our trucks at 57 right now well you know we've done that in the past we were a 60 mile an hour fleet for a long long time and then as we started to grow and we had to make deliveries further out um we ended up starting to increase our speed to accommodate a customer. Then we started to add trucks and then we got into a recruiting situation where we had to speed them up. 
So right now, if he had to cut him back to 57, he would say, I just need to close the doors up because all my tractors are going to quit. Um, that, that, that's what would happen at this point. But as the economy tightens up and freight tightens up and jobs become a little more scarce, it will get to the point again where we can slow the trucks down and the drivers will be all for it because they're going to want a job because they just can't go any place and, you know, walk in and, and start the next day, a hundred thousand dollar a year job driving a truck. That's going to go away. Um, if the economy slows down to the point, we think it's going to slow down you know, for the most part. That's going to be very difficult to do. You know, I, I, I wonder um, the, the system that I came up with when I had drivers and, you know, speed, and I had the same issues. I, I couldn't just tell everybody you're going to go 57 because I would have been a recruiting nightmare for me. Um, so I had to play that game. But the system that I came up with, I, I actually thought it was kind of brilliant. Um, might be perfect for a company your size. We, you, and you guys get this. We know the math. We know that if you slow a truck down mm-hmm. one mile per hour, on average, you'll pick up one-tenth of a mile per gallon. We know what that means at today's mm-hmm. price. So the system that mm-hmm. I created was, you know, at the time, the trucks were kind of sort of governed. But, I mean, my trucks would run 68, 70 miles an hour or so. Um, and I went to the drivers and I said, look, here's the deal. You can leave your truck just the way it is. You want to run 70 like it is now, you just leave it that way. You run 70, no problem. But I'll give you the choice. You pick a speed. And whatever speed you want to govern the truck at, we'll do that. Slower, not faster, obviously. But if, you, if you're willing to govern the truck at a slower speed, you pick the speed. And then I'll tell you what your bonus is going to be. You don't have to reach a certain you know- fuel mileage number because that's on me there's too many other factors you just need to commit to driving this speed instead and if you'll do that here's the bonus i'll pay you so here's what we're working on very similar all the new downsped volvos have three operating modes in the transmission we have ee which is extra efficiency we have e which is economy and p which is performance And what we want to do is just take their base pay and then we are going to look at the number of miles they ran in each mode. So if you're running an EE, we're going to pay you 75 cents a mile. You run an E, you're going to make like 68. And if you run in P, you're going to make 50 cents a mile. And and that's that's how we want to pay our guys. They know right up front their decision, how it's going to impact um, their paycheck without having to worry about mother nature, without having to worry about terrain, the weight of the load, anything, their entire paycheck is going to be based on the decision they make on which button they press on the dash. That, that's how I did mine. So I, I, I think, yeah, yep. I think that's the way to go. I think there's no doubt about it. It makes a lot of sense. That's a great idea. Yeah. It, it, there's no risk. Yeah, for it, the it, really, it puts, Right. It puts the driver completely in control of their paycheck. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Worked really well for me. All right. Let's, uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to Wisconsin. Ray, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going guys? Good. What's on Joel, your mind? A couple of weeks ago, you guys are going, well, a couple of weeks ago, Joel was talking about going to hourly pay for drivers and stuff. I, I just didn't think that would ever happen, but, I'm doing it now. This <laughs> okay. whole nice. last two couple of weeks, we're, we're hourly employees, and actually, my pay increased. Good. Right. By going hourly. 
but I was, I was just like dumbfounded on it. But, you know, well, as you're on drive line, you get paid a different rate than you're on on duty rate. So they got two different rates, but it is, you know, I normally had to work six days to get the same amount of pay I'm getting in five days now. Now let's so, think, let, let's think about it, something here. And I know we're not there yet. And this isn't always perfect when companies are going to do this, but when you think about this, we could make this where, and we already know, you went hourly, you made more money. The fact that you made more money seems like it has to make, we'd have to believe that the company made less. But that's not true. If we go to hourly and we get drivers to not care about how fast they're driving, with today's fuel prices, uh, you could make more money and so could the company. So to the company, Everybody, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All week, all last couple weeks, we were governed at sixty-five, but I took it down to sixty yeah, and just moved over the right lane, and that's just relaxing and it's nice and easy. And I put in just as many miles, yeah. but yes. I'm getting paid more. <laughs> perfect, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that is that is awesome. That you know, that's the point I, I've been trying to make for several years. Um, I mean, even internally in, in, in Plover, we, we have these discussions and, and, you know, sometimes I get a little spirited about how this actually works and what it does <laughs> to the bottom line. And, and, um, so you you know, gotta, the, the big thing that, that we see one of the big problems, uh, when you roll out an hourly pay package and you explain to the driver that, they could make more money. The first thing they think is, well, this is some gimmick or you're trying to screw me somehow, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that it really becomes a problem trying to explain this to the driver. Look, you know, you're going to do better and we're going to do better. And they're, right. they're scratching their head going, how is that possible? And why isn't everybody doing this? I, I think this is, you know, you're, you're trying to trick me somehow. <laughs> and it, it becomes well, so much easier. It, Here's how it's, it's easier possible. for them too on the saddle. Uh, on the settlement statement, it's so much easier for them. They don't have to go through and figure out how many miles you put in, what if you were on detention time, or what was happening. I mean, they just have to look at your logbook and figure it out. Here's right. how it's yeah. done. Yeah, no doubt. Here's how it's possible that the driver can make more money, the company can make more money, and the consumer can end up with lower prices at the store is because we're taking the profit away from the big oil companies. Yeah, you're shifting that money around. That's exact. That's exactly what yep. you're doing. You're you're taking it away from the big oil company, and you're taking it away from the guy that runs the shop, and yep. you're putting it back into the driver pay and back into the company. That you're a hundred percent right. A- a- absolutely. I know. I was just surprised all week. That, you know, this week, you know, averaging. Um, you know, they by the morning time you look at your, uh, you can look at your pay each day. You can. From what midnight they can they project it out for the next day right away. You know I'm averaging 450 to 500 bucks a day that I'm making. Thanks, excellent. It's just just so much easier and easier to figure, and it just I don't have to keep track of all the other stuff to make sure I got paid. It's just it's easier on everybody. You you know what? Yeah, the other thing I always. I always hated about like detention time when you're on mile and you go into a place and you have to do detention, you lay down to take a nap while they're loading your trailer and you forget to send the detention notice and the detention call and the office is like, why didn't you send this? And yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Just do away with it all. I mean, it's, it's a pain in the ass and, and going to hourly just fixes all that. You know what? I also swear I could, I could tell that Ray's voice sounded less stressed. 
(laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that with all our biometrics and stuff. And and, and you've done studies on this. We've talked, discussed before the stress level at the the speeds. And Joel just gave his whole driver rating. You were working harder to drive that speed. And you still, still, you know, ended up with a lousy number uh, on your 70 mile an hour trip. And I was thinking about your, uh, uh, your stepson. And the 400 yeah. miles a day at that speed, he's got a nice life, man. That's, 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 hey. that's just 2,000 a oh, week. And, <laughs> dude, at his age, he's, he's killing it. I, I mean, I, I wish <laughs> I would have known back then you know, what I know now. He's just absolutely killing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, geez, yeah, he, he's a, yeah. yeah. He, he gets home yeah. and, you know, he could be with his significant others and whatever and be happy and not be stressed. And, you know, he's probably healthy. Right. And it's, uh, it's, it, there, there are many benefits for sure. Hey, Joel. So, this is, you know, me talking about going slow uh-huh. from the racer here. You know, that's, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Joel, do you have um, mm-hmm. one of the Garmin watches with the instant stress reading on it? I do not. I'm going to send you not. one. I should put- I'd love to see this when I'm running different speeds and stuff, how this works. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, I just you thought will about be, that. You'll be You're- addicted. It's, it's a blast. Yeah, yeah, you're you're a numbers geek, and you're already doing this kind of stuff. Let's add that true real life measurement in there. I'll send you our new the new diesel version, and you can then track the stress level at different speeds. Does it have a happy meter on it? Uh, yeah, I, I know when I get into my purple when I get into my purple truck, my happy meter is going to be off the chart, right? <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Well, get some data now on the old truck, and, and then you can overlay. It. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, there, there you go. We're probably not going to want to see that data, but yeah, no, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's grab so, another call. Hey guys, I need to bounce. I've got a, I, I, before we get another call, I've got to roll. So okay. I, uh, I've got a customer about to pop in the shop here in five minutes and we've, uh, we've managed to burn through an hour and 44 minutes already. Yeah, we did. So, wow. No commercials. Yeah. So I'll see, I will see you guys next week. I'll, I'll be able to be on, I believe. Uh, I'm going to be up in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin next week, but uh, I should be able to free myself up on Friday. Perfect. John, real quick, are you, yeah. you going to be in mid-Ohio anytime from mid-July to end of, end of the month? Uh, I don't have anything planned for mid-Ohio. Um, okay. I, I was going to say, I'm, I was going to be home for a couple weeks during that time, and I thought if you were going to be in the area, I'd oh. down. I'll let you know for sure anytime I head that way. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So awesome. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. All, All right. right. Hey, that's good. It's good to talk to everybody, and this is fun. This yeah, is cool. it is. Great so, show I'll today. Talk to you later. Thanks. All right. All right. All right. Uh, all right. We're going to talk to uh, Frank in Indiana. Welcome. Thank you, guys. I've got a question for Joel about the longevity of the ball bones. Mm-hmm. I I currently drive for a fleet. Uh, and we are a 60 mile per hour governed fleet. They just started a lease purchase program. It's really, it's just a lease. You never end up having the opportunity to own the truck. One thing they talk about is the reason they say that Bobo guarantees them a $50,000 trade in if they send it back to 50,000, uh, with 500,000 miles or less. Okay. I had asked him, it's like, well, what if I wanted to buy it? I'll give you the 50000 at 500,000 miles. And they keep talking about, well, we have the software that 
does predictive maintenance and one thing they talk about something about plastic or resin gears for the air pump something like that that fails around five hundred thousand. you've got a big maintenance and things like that and to mm-hmm. me it sounds kind of hokey because it's like it's somebody is buying that truck after it gets treated in Sounds healthy to me, too. I I can tell you in our fleet, I have had multiple D11s, D12s, D13s go past 1.5 million miles with no blow-by, don't burn oil. We sold them here locally. The people are still running those trucks. When you look at the Volvo engine design, it's unique in the fact that it's kind of overbuilt for a 13-liter um, it has very big connecting rods, a massive crankshaft. But the, the main part of the Volvo design is the longer connecting rod, which gives us a very constant piston speed through the stroke. Um, when you have consistent piston speed, it reduces the frequency or the, the chance that you're going to have vibration. And vibration in the engine is what really can um, lead to increased maintenance issues. Um if it's an older engine, which it sounds like you're dealing with newer stuff, when they had the unit injectors, um, you know, folks tend to have some problems with them just because we weren't retorquing the injector hold down bolts and running the overhead often enough. Uh, with if they do, if they're doing the recommended maintenance on it, uh, that truck should go well over a million miles with no no real major issues. And that's Especially the speed you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about because uh, we're, like I said, we, we're governed at, at 60. We're encouraged to drive even slower. It's like, I'm doing 56 right now going across Indiana. Awesome. Uh, my dash shows that for the last week I'm at 10.3. Uh, awesome. Actual mileage, if I do 10, 10 to paper, it's probably closer to like a 9.9, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got we got either the two two six or the two one six rear ends. I don't know. It's the uh, man. If you can buy that truck, you ought to you ought to snag it because you're you're just not going to have maintenance as long as they have done the recommended maintenance um, and you continue to do the recommended maintenance at the speed you're operating in, the way that thing's geared, piston speed is nice and low. You're not going to have a lot of suspension issues for all the things that John covered as far as you know as speed increase. You know, we get differences in the dynamics of suspension wear. Um, absolutely, man. If you can pick one of those trucks up uh, at the pricing that you're talking about, I, I would definitely do that. And that's what I was thinking. If, if I could just get them to, to work with me or if I can get with the dealer when we do some trade-ins. And, you know, right now with fuel prices and interest rates, you know, it's not really the time to do it. But I don't have any debt uh, other than my house and the mortgage on a rent house I own. All my vehicles are paid off. I pay my credit cards off monthly. You know, I'm I'm pretty much set up to try doing something, but it's just a matter of um, having the right timing. Uh, but something interesting you mentioned, I was watching some YouTube videos about different engine, uh, how they're made, stuff like that. You're talking about the, the connecting rod. By having that long mm-hmm. connecting rod, you're putting also less lateral force on the piston. Yes, yes, way you got way less side loading. That's correct. Yeah, so you get that, less wear there. There's less friction. 
you know, all of that equates to the better fuel economy. It, it does help. There is no doubt. And as long as your, your gearing is optimized and it sounds like what they've done is absolutely optimal to take advantage of that long connecting rod. Um, you're, you don't sound like you're in a hurry to have to get anywhere and you're not worried about winning drag races up a hill. If, if I were you, I would snag one of these trucks as soon as you feel comfortable and you're in a position to do it. Um, absolutely. They sound like, a, uh, just an awesome buy here. Yeah, it's they're they're great trucks. They dispatch us at at fifty miles per hour, so usually we've got plenty of time. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a few runs where where we're tight and have to run it at sixty, but most of the time I'm I'm running fifty six, fifty eight, and just letting everybody blow by me. And I laugh I laugh at them when they talk to me on the radio and just tell them you know. Yeah, I'll always start my tears <laughs> with, with the Benjamins. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Hey, yeah, Frank, you, sound, you sound like you're doing exactly what I do. Hey, Frank, mm-hmm. just tell them it's too hard to count all your money while you're driving faster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. That's funny. Well, I appreciate the input, guys. Y'all have a good weekend. All right. Thanks Absolutely. For the call. You too. We're, we're going to grab one more call and then we're going to wrap this up for today. Gary in Pennsylvania, you get the final word for the week. Oh, it's my lucky day, huh? Yeah. Hey, hey, John. Hey, John. Uh, John. I don't know if you remember me. I worked at John. NEP. John I left took... us. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he knows who I am. I have a question. I bought an old truck. I'm old. I'm going to retire here shortly. It's kind of a toy rather than anything. It's a 97 FLB with a uh, N14 Cummins 370 electronic. It's got 10-speed Meritor with Meritor 390 rears. Now, fuel mileage isn't a top priority, but I would like to do the best that I could do with what I got. What what speed am I going to run that thing at? 55. What, what RPMs, I should say. <laughs> yeah, with, with no, 390s, that's it, what I was thinking. This is a, and I don't even mind the 390s. Actually, the truck you just described, an FLD with an N14, might be one of the most practical trucks ever built. I mean, nothing fancy, nothing to get excited about, but just drop dead practical. I think the FLD was probably one of the most solid trucks Freightliner ever built. I'm not a big fan of Freightliner's quality in their cabs, and but the FLD was a solid okay, truck. Okay, now inside and out, the N14. You're saying D. Oh, go ahead. You're saying D, and I'm saying B as in boy. Oh, which is the cab over? FLB. They made from ninety nine. Oh, yeah, ninety four to ninety eight. They made cab overs and FLB. Right. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Ah, I don't know much about that one. Okay, the FLD is the it's, one that to me is just basically like basically an FLD with a. It's basically okay. an FLD. I mean, everything's the same inside. It looks like oh, an FLD, okay. other than there's no hood there. Okay, other than then, there's no hood there. Yeah, then my guess would be it's that same pretty solid body quality that Freightliner isn't really known for, but in that truck they managed to. To pull it off, I it really like that truck. Yeah. Um, I, 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 first off, I wouldn't even consider messing with the gears. You said this is kind of a toy more than anything. Okay. Um, I wouldn't change yeah. gears. Yeah. If, you, if you want to improve fuel economy, there's 10 other ways we could do it a whole lot cheaper on that truck. I'd leave the 390s 
and and it'll run up to 65 pretty comfortably. Um, with that N14, it'll do 70, and you're you're still really not that far out of your RPM range, honestly, uh, for for an N14. Yeah, I mean, I was at, I, I think I was right around like 62 was about 1450, I think. I, I drove yeah, it a couple weeks ago and took it to a shop. And that, I mean, at fourteen fifty, I think I would do okay. Oh, you you do fantastic. That's right. This is actually a pretty nice spec truck. I, I wouldn't mess with those gears. Three um, seventies might give you a little more, you know, headroom. But I, I I would leave the three nineties. If you want to get fuel mileage, like I said, there's ten other things you could do. But th- that's just going to be a good solid truck. Okay. All right. That's all I had. All right. Unless you can fix this oil burning. ISX I got. Uh, well. I talked to you before about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good truck, but two gallons a week for 3,000 miles. Uh, what, but my oil samples are good. What year is it? 14. So, well, here's one of the things. Yeah, let, me, let me address this. When you get a truck that burns a lot of oil, your oil samples get better. Because you're putting yeah, so much yeah. clean you're putting makeup oil in it, yeah. right? I'm not, that, I'm not changing it because in two right. months' time, when you, I when I at my twenty thousand miles, I put sixteen gallons in it. You I was know just going to say so, you you are changing it. You just have a different method of yeah. changing it. You just change it one gallon at right. a time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that's, that's two gallons. That's the week. old the old two-stroke Detroit proactive oil changer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. just leak it around. Yeah, absolutely. I, what or, do you think, in your opinion, I mean, eventually I think something's going to happen. You know, I mean, it's got well, good oil pressure. It's a good It's a good truck. I just don't What's going to happen, though? Uh, nothing. I mean, I that, what's that, happen. that consumption could get worse. And at some point, you know, you might just say, I'm tired of buying oil and pouring oil in it. But honestly, I've seen engines like this run for a really long time. Um, Okay. Are you using the catalyst? I got my fingers crossed. Yes. Okay. Because sometimes it's I tried so many different things. I tried Lucas. I tried catalyst. Uh, They got a special oil. Valvoline's got a special. Right extreme something at $70 a gallon. I tried that. Yeah, I, that's I've tried everything. And, and, and both that oil and the catalyst are attempting to do the same thing. The carbon packing on the rings can cause this. So you're trying to get rid yeah. of the carbon packing. Yeah. But obviously that's not working for you. Um, yeah, right. I, you, we have talked about that ISX, but I, I think you've got a good solid little truck in that uh, N14. Yeah, and hopefully this one lasts until that one's finished. There you go. We'll be good then. There you go. <laughs> All right. We're All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. Joel, any final words? Yeah, I've got some advice for you. When you're in the garden, put some clothes on and stay away from the Army men. <laughs> <laughs> but that's no fun. You're taking away all my fun. <laughs> I've got a visual in my head that I don't know how I'm going to get rid of. I right know. Now, I know. I, you, you know. All right. Enjoy that for the weekend, awesome, then, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> all right. Hey, look, looking forward to the watch. We gotta we gotta check the happy meter on the purple truck. There so you go. Absolutely. Send, send, send a watch, and we'll see what we can do. I'll get working on that. All right. We're gonna wrap this up. Have a great weekend. We'll see you awesome. next week. Be safe.
be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey.